guys can hear me. Let me know if I can get a mic check. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is Monday, June 12, 2023. Welcome to episode 385 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, coming to you live from a mobile studio. Set it up last week, so we're going to work on it all this week on getting it tuned in, dialed in. What's up, Soulshine? Adrian Harris, good to see you. Matthew Necci coming in hot with the blue Simply Side Squad logo. Good to see you guys. Good morning, James McQuiggan over on the LinkedIn's. Bit quiet. Alex Goodwin saying mic volume low. Let's dial this in before we get busy, y'all. Here, I'll bump the mic. Check, 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 check. How's that? I just juiced it a little bit. All right, Kenneth Ruff, if you're going to say volume's low, I got to know what you mean, though, son. Uh, are we talking the music volume, my microphone volume, sound effects volume? We'll get this dialed in one way or the other. Check, 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 check. Bumping the microphone to 85. That's 85 on the microphone now. Alex Goodwin says that's better. All right, very cool, very cool. Rocking a new mic. I've got this guy right here. Probably didn't help that my hand was over the uh, microphone, right? Like, I'm actually blocking my microphone like a fool. Good, uh... Need more microphone volume. Okay, hold on one second. All right, so let's roll with this for a minute. 85 is fine, thank you, Stuart Meachin. All right, music low. Okay, I mean, the music I can... Music I got tight control over, guys. I want, to, I want you to be able to hear my voice, not the music. All right, cool. All right, so let's roll with this. We'll, we'll, um, let's dial it in as a community during jawjacking. Um, mods, if, I mean, if there's something specifically jacked up, let me know and I'll fix it. I'm, I'm... One, one buttonhole. Let's see. How's that? How's that, Sean Washington? Thank you. All right, cool. I might have to... Not, not that this is a burlesque show or anything, but this top might come off. I do have a shirt on underneath, so uh, calm down. But uh, new studio. Welcome to episode 385 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, <laughs> everybody with audio control, Brandon S., Dan Catledge, Eric Q., hopefully Base Case, my audio engineer, will be coming with you delivering the hotness on the top cybersecurity news stories of the day on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this tactically or strategically at work this week or next month? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, there's going to be massive value for you here. You will be absolutely asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? This is a fantastic answer. Believe that. Now, before we get into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the... Um, Shout out and thanks to the uh, stream sponsors. I'm gonna I'm gonna lower the uh, the mic volume down just a smidge. I'm getting mod chatter saying that I'm yelling in there. I'm <laughs> I'm inside their eardrums uh, screaming. All right, want to say shout out and thanks. I only have two windows normally. The normal Simply Cyber Studio rocks four monitors. I have two, so I have to do a lot of dancing around here. So bear with me as I learn my new workflows. All right, I want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor. Start with my good friend Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping business owners from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues 
for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into absolute turmoil. I'm talking um, just like, you ever seen the movie Airplane when like everything's going chaotic and people are bumping into each other and the guy's talking about today was a, uh, a fine day to quit huffing glue and stuff like that. That's, that's what your business looks like in the middle of a ransomware attack. But don't sweat it. You can call Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor, his whole gang. They know exactly how to deal with those situations. They're moving calm, collect, helping you recover from damage done. Believe that. Go to barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see this is their website on stream right here. But if you go right here, you, you can get Eric's calendar. He's uh, got an updated profile photo. Looking good, Eric. And you can jump on his calendar for 10 a.m. today and talk through what it would look like if your business was going through a ransomware incident. He's a very approachable guy, very nice guy, very, um, very knowledgeable individual. Also want to say shout out and thanks to Panopsi. Looks like I'm going to have to get this dialed in. Look how janky this is on the, um, on the stream here. Panopsi Security, um, they do a lot of different things. Brandon Poole, you may remember him from such episodes as SOC Analyst, The Real Truths on Simply Cyber. His company, Panopsi, can do quantified risk assessments, which is essentially coming into your business, looking at your people, your process, your technology, going ham all up on it. And then the output of that probably four to six week endeavor is a report that tells you exactly where your risks are, how statistically likely you are to suffer those ransomware incidents. It's basically like a crystal ball you can look into and see the future. And the best part about being able to see the future is you can do something about it today to fix it, right? So if you've ever, if you're like going back to those people who are bumping into each other in the movie Airplane, if, I, if, if for like whatever, X amount of dollars, I don't know how much a quantified risk assessment costs, but for X amount of dollars, you could have avoided all that. Why, why not? By the way, I also want to point out whatever a quantified risk assessment would cost your business, a recovery from a ransomware incident is going to cost it a, <laughs> a ton more. So believe that. A penny now, a quarter later, your choice. All right. Slugging coffee, trying to get up and running. Getting back to this. Guys, if you are live, I genuinely appreciate you guys uh, being here, helping me settle, sort through some of these technical production issues. Sharice Lamb's in the house. Um, Alana Boyajin's up in here. I don't know if Alana saw the uh, the intro where we were getting all dialed in with the audio, but it's a it's a hot mess express. Um, I oh hey really quick uh, if you're live hashtag team live thank you all so very much for being here. Um, I just realized I'm missing the counter in the bottom. Um, I I want to fix that if you can just grant me some grace. Come on. What, I can't, why can't I do this? Hold on. Where the hell? All right, I guess. I'll take that for action. There's 186 of you here right now. I can see that. I just can't um, put it on screen. When, when you move your profile for your Streamlabs layout, it doesn't bring all the assets over. It just brings like the look and feel. You have to manually create all these things, which is why I started late today because on the Starting screen and end screen, the chat window wasn't there. So, oh, get out of here with the CISO series. I'm in a new studio, CISO series. Give me a hot second. All right, if you're live, hashtag team live in chat. We'll get sorted out. Um, I have two chat overlays on the screen. Oh, I do. Look at that. Oh, my God. What a janky mess this guy is. Um, hold on one second. How embarrassing. <laughs> hold on. Yeah, I think that's the one. All right, let me get this. Sort it out. Um, 
Is this it? Is it produce? No. This is definitely not something you guys watch me fumble through. Um, hold on one second. Do, 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 <laughs> Hold on one second. Thank you. Thank you, YouTube. Thank you, Simply Cyber Community, for granting me the grace to sort through this here. Look at this. This is how you do real-time operations. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Thank you. All right, now we're back. We're back. All right. Uh, if you're uh, on hashtag Team Replay, you're definitely jumping through most of this, <laughs> waiting for the news to start. So hashtag Team Replay, thanks for being here. Thanks for catching in on the stream. If you're a hashtag passive observer, like I almost feel like I need to be right now, <laughs> hiding in the back with my cup of coffee, uh, say what's up in chat. Say hashtag passive observer. Let, you, let us know you're here. Take your first step into the social networking uh, light. Uh, it's been a few minutes. Let's get started with the news and we'll go uh, get into this, okay? Thank you, everybody. New episodes, new studios. They're going to be a little bumpy, but we're going we're gonna to sand out the edges and make it smooth. Security headlines. It's Monday, June 12th, 2023. Faked crypto journalists steal real crypto. The analyst at Scam Sniffer found that the threat group Pink Drainer successfully impersonated journalists covering cryptocurrency to steal roughly $3 million worth of crypto assets, including $327,000 worth of NFTs from a single wallet. The attackers used hijacked accounts to impersonate journalists from Cointelegraph and Decrypt to conduct fake interviews, using this trust to get victims to enter information in malicious know-your-customer validation sites. These sites stole Discord tokens, which they used to launch further phishing attacks. The researchers warned that Pink Drainer remains highly active and warned crypto investors to remain vigilant. All right. Hey. All right. So really quickly, I saw. Um... Oh, I don't have. Um... I'm sorry. I don't have the what? All right. I'm going to have to manually do it. I don't have that sound effect on my board right now. I have my mini travel board. Um, James McQuiggan with the super chat. <laughs> don't sleep hey yeah if you're new here welcome aboard this is gonna be a good stream believe me this is uh, a slightly different than normal operations but for the most part this is what it is um james mcquiggan with the five dollar super chat what did we just become best friends yep so manual sound effect uh in play for super chats because my soundboard doesn't have it uh okay so a lot of things going on here guys actually this is like really interesting so the TLDR that you might get if you were just to like sniff this story is that cyber criminals basically uh, impersonated journalists and then leveraged that trust that a cryptocurrency exchange or a crypto um, you know, dealer or whatever would have with a journalist being the media to somehow uh, trick them into either download, I didn't get the details, but either downloading a piece of malware like a keylogger or something like that somehow tricking them uh, in a way that the threat actors were able to get access to their wallets and move money out, okay? Straight armed uh, theft. Do I have a, no. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Finfrock with his crypto evangelist. Now, there's actually a lot going on here that is, we can dig beneath the surface and really get some interesting um, value from. First of all, first of all, I want to point out that the, Threat actors compromised a journalist's account and then weaponized the trust that the journalist had obtained. So think about this for a second. If I just create a fake account and I'm like, oh, I'm a crypto journalist, 
anyone's going to be like, ah, and they're going to do a little bit of research, right? How, how long has this Twitter account existed? How many articles has this Twitter account been associated with, right? You do a little like sniff test on it, right? Sound effects are quiet. All right. Well, uh, next time I do a sound effect, I'll, um, I'll see what I can do. Um, mods, can you confirm that too? The sound effects are quiet. Um, so I, I lost my train of thought. Um, okay, so you're going to do a sniff test. Like if you've ever been sus of something, you do a little bit of Googling. You're like, okay, this seems legit, right? Um, here's a fun fact to tie it into us. Just over this weekend, some peckerhead went on to the Simply Cyber Discord server, created a Gerald Osher Simply Cyber Discord account, and was like soliciting people in the server for, uh, to DM, and then saying, hey, um, let's go to WhatsApp, and for $3,000, I'll personally mentor you, which I appreciate the, um, the interest from the community wanting to get mentored, um, and you know, whatever. But this, this, this goof was basically trying to leverage the authority and trust of me uh, to basically victimize you on the server, right? So this is very, there's a, there's a, there's a one-to-one -one parallel here between this story and that same effect, which should indicate to you that this is a common scheme, this is a common approach, and sadly, it has real, um, it, it's, 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 it's effective, right? Obviously, this guy stole $3 million right here, um, and this other jerk-off was stealing three grand per person, right? So there's that. Second of all, I want you to understand this because this one just occurred to me. And remember, if you don't know this, guys, if you're new here, I know there's some new folks here. I do not see or hear these stories beforehand. These are all coming to me, same as you. Now, when you think of journalists' social media accounts being compromised, it's typically so the journalists can be doxxed or you can get into their files and see like what they're being researched. And we see this with investigative journalism all the time, especially when they're investigating powerful regimes or uh, political parties or something like that. This is the first time where the journalist was weaponized in order to gain trust. So you could then hit up some crypto bros and rob them. So I think that's interesting. You could see here, this was the fake page. Um, is this coming through on stream? This is the fake page that they set up. Um, I don't see the URL here, but it could be, you know, Washington Jost uh, Times, right? Or the Washington, you know, or the, the new the new Yak Times paper, right? Whatever it is. They created a fake website, made it look legit, sent a link to the uh, victims to schedule a, um, for an interview. And at that point, they, they got some type of um, malware. Also, just as a fun fact, I see, I don't know if you guys could see this on stream, the uh, the malicious sites ho host a Carl verification bot. Oh my God! All right, hold on. With that, I've got a um. I've got to pump the audio on the on the um. On the soundboard. How do I pump the audio on the soundboard? Hmm. 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 Can I do it on through Stream Deck? It's it's gonna be worth it. Like the Carl the Carl sounder is totally worth it. Stream Deck, Carl. Okay, here we go. Can I do this? Okay, I just goosed Carl fifty percent up. How's that? How's that, everybody? Let me know if that Carl's good. All right. So, anyways, that that's the deal with this. So, just be mindful. Um, 
social media accounts can be compromised. People can be faked. You know, shit happens. Beep. <laughs> Sorry. All right, let's keep rolling. This is this day is like borderline off the rails. Strava heat maps leak addresses. Since 2018, the popular running app Strava offers heat map features, which aggregate user activity to help people find common routes and workout spots. Strava claims this data remains anonymized. However, researchers at North Carolina State University Raleigh found this data can be used to track individuals or locate home addresses. They first use stop and start areas to determine home locations using OpenStreetMap data. Researchers combine this data scraped from Strava's search function, finding it could identify a home address with 37.5% accuracy for users posting 308 or more activities in Strava. The researchers noted their approach becomes much less effective in densely populated areas. They also recommended Strava allow users to set up privacy zones around homes and other sensitive areas to prevent this type of tracking. Uh, okay, so... All right, so Strava, I actually used Strava, or I use it, I, I, or I switched to Garmin. I'm a runner, for those who don't know. Tidbits Tuesday, right? So I use Garmin. I got my Garmin watch on all the time. And I used to use Strava. This is not new, guys. Um, in fact, wasn't it Strava a few years ago where the military installation in, in Afghanistan was doxxed because of heat maps and running patterns? I'll pull that up in a second. Guys, Here's the TLDR of this story. Yes, um, some creeps would be able to scope you out if um, they got they saw your Strava running data. Okay, so there's a lot of things that happen happen here. One, um, thanks, Kevin Knight. Yeah. Oh, it was Fitbit. Yeah, I just remember it happened. It was a big it was a big deal, and like you could literally see you could literally like the heat map basically outlined the um, <laughs> the base. Um, so check this out, guys. Strava, there's, there's a lot going on here. One, this is academic research, so it's totally cool. I'm not, like, me of all people is definitely not going to poo-poo on academic research. But I just want to point out, there's a lot that has to happen for this, okay? So one, you have to be a Strava user. Two, you have to use Strava to track your data. Three, you have to be able to attribute the owner of the Strava account to the individual you're looking to, um, you know, identify or de-anonymize right it, you know so like maybe you're called like you know run hacker run right on strava right like are you gonna be like oh that's definitely jerry you know what i mean so there's that association then you have to have hundreds of data points in there and you have to not live in a densely populated area and something else so like when we talk about interesting research and interesting findings i actually commented on linkedin or twitter i don't remember i think twitter over the weekend um, somebody sent me something about some report, which is a, that's a terrible story since I have no detail to it. But basically, anytime you read research like something like this, there's a thing in academic research called limitations. There's also a thing called bias. Okay, for for this one, I'm thinking limitations, right? It's like interesting findings. The title says heat map feature can be abused to find home addresses. Like ah, like the end is nigh, privacy's gone. Ugh. Right, but in reality, if you look at the limitations of this research, you will see that all of these different kind of um, criteria have to be in place for this to work successfully. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It doesn't mean it's not legit. It just means that this isn't like a, you know, the, like Strava is going to go under because of this news. Right? This is probably a bad look for Strava, but this doesn't really affect Strava. Okay. 
So th there's that. Um, okay, that's all I got to say about that. And really quickly, uh, I just want to see Afghanistan, um, heat map, base, uh, disclosure. I don't know. Yeah, here we go. It was a Washington Post story. Look at this. Oh my God, Washington Post, you stink. Look at this. Like, I don't know if you guys can see this on stream, but like, literally, <laughs> literally, can you see this on stream? Like, you could outline the entire base. I don't even think this is the same one. There, there's like way too much installation going on in this one for, for it to be the story I was talking about. But you get the idea. You get the idea. <clears throat> so it can be weaponized, right? All right, let's keep rolling. API changes lead to Reddit protests. Reddit recently made changes to its API pricing, leading to several prominent third-party applications announcing their services became no longer feasible financially. This included the popular Apollo client. After a poorly received Reddit Ask Me Anything by CEO Steve Huffman, over 200 subreddit communities switched from public to private in protest. Some communities said this will last for 48 hours, although others plan to keep this change indefinitely. Going private would mean only existing subreddit followers would see this content. Over 4,500 subreddits pledged to eventually go private in the following week. Wow. So a, a whole bunch of things. One, Reddit, you know, Reddit, it started off as like the people's place. So it's kind of funny to see um, capitalism get in there. I don't know anything about the different uh, pricing uh pricing values for the APIs versus what they were changed to. So I don't know anything about that. But I will say of all sites on the internet, the one that people could really gather around and, and quickly um, form protests and revolution and affect real change is Reddit. Like of all the <laughs> of all the sites on the internet, like Reddit is designed for like flash mobby um, aggregation of people of like mind and, and ideas and, and taking action. So um, good on good on them. If um, it, uh, uh, you know, based on what I just heard, again, I don't really understand the business model here. But um, based on what I just heard, Reddit could lose its value by all these subreddits going private, people who, you know, go to Reddit, they're not gonna be able to consume the Reddit info. So the value of that site loses it, its value, for, for lack of a better term. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, it's a really precarious business model because if you think of it, the value of Reddit is in the creation of content that is not produced by Reddit itself. It is the community that produces Reddit. Reddit has probably got a double-fisted, you know, ham, country ham going on here because if you think about it, it's like, oh, we don't have to pay people. Like, all we have to do is host infrastructure. And the community builds everything, the community drives everything, and we can host ads and all of this. If the community, um, the person who's like basically growing the crops that you harvest for money, if the community stops producing crops, you, my friend, are going to turn into the you know a dust bowl, right? That ain't good. So the CEO, um, you know, has got some tough decisions, but this is not surprising to me. Whatever those API pricing changes were, damn. They must have been severe. You know what I mean? Like Reddit, I mean, excuse me, Netflix increased um, Netflix increased um, streaming fees for like a dollar 
a month or a dollar a quarter for like five quarters in a row or something. And I remember thinking like, ah, stupid Netflix. Like I, one of these days, Netflix, you're going to push me too far. And then like, I still have Netflix. Right. And I pay like $25 a month or something stupid now. But here's my thing. If Reddit had like, you know, taken a page from Netflix and slowly increased it, maybe you could have boiled the frog. But when you just go full, you know, nuclear option and, and, and go all up, you know, you're, you're, um, you're going to get revolution like this. Uh, also, I see uh, Chernu Alexandru on chat talking about Twitch. Like, there was a big hubbub. Uh, I know it's not cybersecurity-related news, but there was, like, a massive, you know, destabilization thing that went on with Twitch um, last week that Twitch is now backed up, uh, backed up from because people were so outraged around monetization. But that's a separate story. Oh, anyways, I also want to say shout-out while it's on my mind. Shout-out to uh, Alexandra and Saeed, uh, two different individuals who contacted me yesterday about that scumbag who was impersonating me on the Simply Cyber server. Um, thank you for letting me know that so I could uh, swiftly ban that jerk. Okay, let's keep going. Twitter missing cloud bills. While Twitter hosts some services used for its platform on its own servers, it also utilizes public cloud providers, Amazon Web Services, and Google Cloud for parts of its infrastructure. This includes services used by its trust and safety teams. The newsletter Platformer sources say that ahead of its contract renegotiation with GCP, Twitter refuses to pay its current bills with the provider going back at least to March. The information previously reported Twitter missed payments to AWS as well, with Amazon threatening to withhold advertising payments to Twitter until it gets paid. Platformer reports cutting off service by GCP would severely limit its trust and safety teams. Interesting. Okay, so Twitter's not paying their bills. I have heard this of other incredibly wealthy people. I'm not going to name names. If I would have known, I would have let you know. Yeah, I know, I know, Carrie. I'm sure you would have. Um, so, guys, check this out. I know some pretty wealthy people, not personally. <laughs> oh, I just chortled. That's wicked funny. I do not, I know of wicked wealthy people that basically get work done and then they don't pay. And then the person who gets screwed is like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to sue me? Like, I've got, I can hire lawyers. You can't. I, like, I'll crush you. Like, and then they just, Rinse and repeat, screwing people over. So this one kind of sounds like that on a bigger level. Twitter, is, Google Cloud is hosting Twitter, right? Twitter is a SaaS service. Google Cloud isn't getting paid. Now, you got a couple things here. One, one um, Google's huge, right? So they could absorb the loss of not getting paid. Two, they could, they could just cut Twitter off, right? Just shut their account down, put a hold on it. Maybe put a, uh, this site's down due to delinquency for not paying. Little shaming. A little, uh, a little shaming. Uh, that's another thing. Of course, Twitter is now like threatening, basically saying that, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Like We host different parts of Twitter on different platforms. So if Google were to cut Twitter, basically the safety team, the ones who keep like hate speech and you know, CSAM off of Twitter, there's the, they're the ones who would be impacted, right? So... Twitter's playing a little bit of a game of chicken with Google, which totally sucks. Guys, I can tell you personally, okay? Like, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but like I run a business too, right? So I have a business. Uh, it's a consulting business and I do consulting and, and stuff on the side and I do Simply Cyber and I do these other things. 
And I, I have people that owe me thousands of dollars, like, th like thousands and thousands of dollars, which is not, I'm sure, what Twitter owes Google, but you know, thousands of dollars means something to me. And, um, and it's the same thing. It's like, pay me. And they're like, no. <laughs> or like, one day we'll pay you. And it's like, what do you do with that? You know what I mean? So um, it sucks. I don't know. Twitter, like, Twitter can only be hosted basically on Google, Amazon, or Azure. And, you know, Sergi, Bezos, and, um, well, I don't even know who runs Microsoft now. We'll say Steve Ballmer. I know it's not Steve Ballmer, but, like, th those, those ultra, ultra wealthy big tech people, they all talk to each other. They probably have a group Telegram chat called, like, you know, gold shorts or something like that, right? Like, so, you know, if Twitter, if Twitter pisses in this pool, I don't know if there's another pool for Twitter to swim in. So kind of interesting game of chicken. Uh, but it, it also should show you what Twitter's financial status is, right? I would think that Twitter's not doing so hot if they're not paying bills. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Let's gladly pass the most thankless job in cybersecurity, completing customer security questionnaires, to the AI bots. Conveyor's GPT questionnaire response tool auto-generates precise, accurate answers to entire questionnaires. With accuracy far superior to other tools, you can spend almost zero time reviewing generated answers. There's an in-platform auto-fill feature or a browser extension <laughs> for tricky portals. Stop settling for mediocre tools that only provide lousy near hits from your library. Try a free proof of concept with your own data. Learn more at conveyor.com. All right, hold on. Hold Cyber on, hold on. Anarchy Squad. Hold on. Look at the size of this, my travel French press. <laughs> That's actual size, guys. It's bigger than my head, okay? This is my, tra <laughs> my travel one. By the way, Mod Chat's um, really funny today, too. All right, guys, it's mid-roll, which means we do one thing and one thing only. Hold on, I gotta juice the audio up on this too, right? Can we turn it up? Hold on. Hold on, I'm trying to play this up a bit. Somebody, let me know if the audio is good. Let me know if the audio is good on. Um, how is that, everybody? Up it a little bit. Let me know. Let me know if this is good, guys. We're trying to dial in the audio bass. Bass usually catches the show about five minutes left in the show. Nobody tell Bass that we had these massive audio issues. Let him, let him discover it. <laughs> uh, he's an audio purist, and having to deal with me is probably, um, you know, like feels like uh, he's doing he's doing God's work. All right, guys, I want to thank you for being here. We have 282 of you gorgeous people here this morning working through the new mobile studio. Let me know what you guys think. I'm actually going to improve the lighting. I feel like my lighting's a little trashy, but it, I can't do this or else. Like if I if I do this to light my face up, right? Hold on, where am I? If I do this, if I were to go, if I were to start losing my mind and, and flip out and, and go to this, like this would ruin the illusion. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to do that, guys. Um, I want to thank the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Penopsi Cyber, uh, for their continued support of the stream, allowing me to. Um, bring this to you guys every single day uh, absolutely free and with all of its hilarity and challenges thank you so very much um, 
I want to say um, really quickly the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. We're going to push that for a hot second. Currently, Jonathan Carpenter is rocking the mic. Um, I can't see chat right now, so Mods or Jenny Housley, uh, please let me know. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an ongoing initiative that we started a couple months ago, and it is a mechanism to allow any of you and all of you to create meaningful, deliberate professional networks. Professional networking is so incredibly valuable. I can't overemphasize how valuable it is. But some people, a lot of people, frankly, don't know how to take the first step, how to connect with people, how to reach out. Especially if you're breaking into the industry, you might feel like, oh, I've got nothing to offer. I don't know, I feel nervous, I'll just wait. And they just push it off, push it off. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge addresses that. Right now, Jonathan Carpenter has the baton. Go onto LinkedIn, because we've been doing this for like three months now. Go on LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. You can see it on the screen right there. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Go in, find the people who are posting under it, find the people commenting on those posts, comment yourself, right? So you get on the list, connect with those people, rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. And then when it's your turn to carry the baton, share your Simply Cyber Community Challenge story. Share your Simply Cy like your Cyber story. Why are you in the game? What, what's, what is it about it? How did you learn something, right? We've seen all sorts of clever approaches. A lot of people just post. Uh, I think it was Adrian Harris um, used the carousel feature to give like a 5,000 word post, which was an awesome hack. Sean Washington gave uh, more of a, uh, like a day in the life kind of post. Like, it doesn't matter what you post, just get out there, post, share who you are with the community, connect with those people, build your network. I'm telling you, it is so unbelievably valuable. You will thank me later, and I appreciate that. Uh, we'll talk about, hey, grab me, um, grab, catch me outside. Do I have that here? Uh, catch me outside. How about that? We'll talk about lighting, and, and we'll have a good time during jaw jacking, period, okay? Uh, assuming I don't have a 9 a.m. Um, all right, so... I, I do have to apologize to my son, Callan. Callan actually drew, Callan made, so every day of the week has a special activity if you're new here. Mondays are for my son, Callan. He does an art of the week. I show it on stream, we take 30 seconds, we, I tell you about it and then we move back on to cyber stories. Callan drew something and before we left the house on Saturday or Friday, he gave it to me and said, hey, this is for Monday, dad. And I said, okay. and. Um, I don't know where it is. So we're gonna get a, uh, a retrospective uh, or page six retraction maybe tomorrow um, once I find this artwork. So sorry, Callan, uh, my bad, but trust me, it's, it's a good one. It's an artwork. Um, all right, so let's get back into the news. Jenny, if no one picks up George, uh, uh, the baton, uh, let me know and we'll, we'll sort it out at the end of the stream. Hits Russian telco. The pro-Ukrainian hacktivist group claims responsibility for a recent attack on the Russian firm Infotel JSC. This telco provides services to the Russian financial sector, resulting in disruption to Russian banks' ability to access the national banking system, make payments, or even contact regulators. Infotel claims the attack damaged network equipment and continues working to restore services. The Cyber Anarchy Squad published several images related to the attack, like email account screenshots and network infrastructure maps. Wow. So I'm not going to read this, but you can see it if you're watching on stream. Blank off the earth with concrete. I mean, <laughs> I know some things get lost in translation, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty strong. Um, okay, so 
here's the deal. Two things. One, you got to remember, uh, when we talk about conflict and World War III and how cyber capabilities are going to be leveraged with you know, strong um, emphasis in the next global conflict, and yet we're seeing that we're not really seeing massive amounts of cyber activity. It's just another weapon in the arsenal of these uh, world powers. They're not, they're not, it's not like a full-on battle in cyberspace where like, you know, crash overrides attack an acid burn and like, you know, like avatars are fighting in like a World of Warcraft thing. Um, it's none of that. Like, it's just another part of the operation. And there's, and especially because Russia's trying to physically take Ukraine's territory, um, you need boots on the ground, okay? So it's never really been like that. What has been interesting is you've got to remember that there are individuals who are affected, right? So, like, there's, you know, people who live in Russia, people who live in Ukraine, people who are radicalized, for lack of a better term, people who are. Um, very pro, you know, nationalists, people who are patriots, people who are perceived as terrorists, whatever you want to call it, but they're not part of the military. They're not part of the nation state machine, but they still want to contribute and they have skills. So you get this thing called, you know, activists or hacktivisms. Now, what's really interesting from a, you know, a nerd perspective, if you will, to me, is that there's been Killnet Russia, or Russia Killnet, you can look into this. Killnet is like a pro-Russian faction um, group that's been doing like distributed denial of service attacks all over the place. And now there's this pro-Ukraine cyber anarchy squad. I don't know if that's their name, cyber anarchy squad. If it is, let's call them that. But this is basically an, an hacktivist group operating under Ukraine. And they're, they're attacking the crap out of Russia. Now, here's where it gets actually interesting, right? Everything I just said are facts. Now let's do my, um, if you're new here, um, if you're a squad member, you get access to the special emotes and they all have a meaning. This is the tinfoil hat, Jerry, where I start spitballing um, unfounded speculation. So check this out. Two things. One, Russia for years and years and years has tapped into the um, Eastern European cyber criminal gangs in order to execute uh, operations that would benefit the Russian nation state while also granting Russia um, plausible deniability and, no, and not actually um, committing any type of you know, declaration of war, right? It, when we think of like what war is and what the United Nations have defined as active war, it's pretty explicit, right? If you fly an F-16 over like Omaha, Nebraska and drop something, like a MiG, I'm sorry, if you fly a MiG over Omaha and drop some stuff, um, that's a clear act of war, right? If you assassinate a, a sitting uh, a political leader, that's an act of war, very, very clear, right? If a gang, if, if like the, the, the Italian mob were to cyber attack Syria, does that mean that the United States has attacked Syria? No, it means that some rogue faction has done that. And, and Russia has done this um, with great effect over the last 10, 15 years, right? They offer basically bulletproof immunity to these cyber criminal gangs operating within the, the, the nation of Russia. But in exchange, hey, buddy, uh, you know, I might ask you for a favor one day. And when this day may never come, uh, but I would expect you to uh, execute on that favor. And they have done it. So when I see this story, two things come to my mind. One. I wonder if this cyber anarchy squad is like, you know, a state sponsored, but not really, or secretly state sponsored, or, you know, hell, I, I could imagine like CIA stood up, <laughs> state sponsored, 
um, you know, uh, cyber weapon, for lack of a better term, that would allow plausible, plausible deniability, but the tooling, the training, the targets they're given, how they're executing, the intel that they're providing back, um, I want, I'd, be, I'd be stunned if this was just some lone wolf group operating without any type of engagement or awareness or entanglement with the nation of Ukraine and Zelensky and their groups or and or NATO and or the United States based on everything I'm saying. What will also be really interesting is, you know, in a year's time, two years time, when historians look back or we chronicle this conflict, it will be very interesting to analyze the different facets of cyber warfare that were used, including these lone wolf factions that uh, have, you know, splintered off as po pro uh, patriotism for their respective countries, because there's been several of them. Um, Anonymous, famously, uh, at the beginning of the conflict, um, was 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 punching uh, Russia in the mouth. If you remember, the Russian um, the Russian stock exchange went down uh, due, a, due to an attack early on, and, and that was attributed to Anonymous. So, anyways, like again, with all these stories, there's like there's 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 like the story itself. But then there's so much more that can be dug into and, and lessons learned, which is why I do the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast, because that's what we're doing. We're digging, we're digging for gems, baby. Microsoft warns of multi-stage banking attacks. Ugh. Security researchers at Microsoft detailed a new campaign against financial and banking organizations. This sees the attackers compromising trusted vendors. Once achieved, they then target multiple organizations with adversary in the middle and business email compromise attacks. Microsoft found these approaches show continuing evolution by threat actors, which differ from typical approaches by using indirect proxy techniques rather than reverse proxies. The attackers attempt to gain access to session cookies to defeat MFA, then send out emails as part of a second stage attack. In its security advisory, Microsoft recommends revoking session cookies and rolling back any modifications made by threat actors. All right, one second. All right, sorry about that. That was, uh, it's like getting hot in here. I'm running like a ton of equipment. It's bananas. All right, um, fix my camera. All right, cue, oh, hold on. Yeah, it's getting spicy. Okay, so check it out. This, this story has to have an infographic. There's no question. Oh, there it is. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why the shirt came off y'all. <laughs> Uh, I digress. Okay, so basically, business email compromise, attacker in the middle, which by the way, attacker in the middle, um, I, just so you guys know, no one has told me this, but I strongly believe that this is a political correct version of man in the middle attack. So if you've heard of man in the middle attack, um, it, the, it, adversary in the middle is basically just an updated um, uh, lexicon for that. It's, it's not a new attack. It's not a more sophisticated man in the middle attack. I believe that this is a, uh, you know, a PC version um, of Man in the Middle. Okay, so having said all that, uh, phishing's been around for a million years. Uh, business email compromise has been around. Hold on, guys. This this microphone's wicked good, but the the, the way it clips on is stupid. Okay. Um, 
So let's take a look, okay? The attacker comes in from org A, compromises the adversary in the middle attack, so whatever. Use the launch business email compromise. The actual attack happens on B. Okay, so the way that this works, and I know it's hard to see on stream, but the way that this works, guys, is that um, instead of just like sending a fake, let's use um, like Kimberly McKnight's marketing company and Joel Belton's ice cream shop, right? Kimberly does marketing for Joel Belton, okay? So instead of me just sending an invoice straight to Joel Belton, pretending that I'm Kimberly, and, and Joel being like, oh, this smells like three-day-old fish. I'm not paying this. This is BS. What I do is I compromise Kimberly, unaware to her. Then I send an invoice from Kimberly to Joel. Joel's like, smells like Kimberly, right? Which, by the way, um, this is starting to get kind of off the rails. But Kimberly, um, great perfume, right? So Joel's like, this smells good. Let's go ahead and pay it. Um, now, this particular attack goes one step further to say that they go on to org C and they do an additional business email compromise attack. So they're basically chaining business email compromise attacks. Okay, so I guess if you think about this, that, I mean, wh why not, right? So threat actor attacks Kimberly, gets in, sends a bill to Joel Belton from Kimberly. Joel pays it. Then because I've established this trust with Joel, I weaponize the trust with Joel and get Joel to think that Kimberly's sending them something. I then compromise Joel, and then I send, I figure out who Joel does business with, right? Uh, Joel Belton's ice cream shop. He sells, uh, he, sold, he, he did like a uh, food truck Friday and ran ice cream cones to everybody at the park. And this, you know, this, the, the HOA is gonna pay Joel. So then threat actor sends a uh, fake invoice to the HOA. HOA gets compromised. So even though this story shows it as a chain, org A to org B to org C, it really isn't. This is actually more of a, um, of a spider web where the attacker puts the post in the middle, goes out, compromises org A, pivots to the right, gets org B. Now org B has a thread that comes back to the center and then goes to org C, has a thread that comes back to the center because you gotta think, in, in this like little workflow here, if org B gets compromised, the top right one, if org B gets compromised, that would say that everything to the right of org B is no longer accessible, but that's not true because every time you hit someone, you're compromising them and continuing to get their assets. So if one of them blows out, you can still keep weaponizing and attacking and committing fraud across all of your victims. The only way that this you know, house of cards or you know, domino setup topples is if I compromise uh, Joel Belton gets wind of my compromise, and then he turns around and says, holy crap, how did I get compromised? Oh, look, Kimberly um, sent me this fake invoice. Hey, Kimberly, um, you know, S is up. We are in deep doo-doo. And then Joel goes one step further and looks at his sent email and identifies uh, organizations that he sent an invoice to that he didn't really send an invoice to and notifies them. That's the only way that the cookie crumbles on this one. And even then, honestly, it's just one degree of Kevin Bacon away. Because if I've compromised, compromised organizations, like, uh, okay, in the same story, Joel Belton tells the HOA, right? So HOA is like, oh, we'll get it fixed. But say HOA doesn't look at who else they may have sent invoices to, and they've sent them to residents of the HOA, Right, like they, they are still victimized. So this, this is not really a process flow. This is actually more of a spider web type thing. But um, yeah, uh, I've just been told I have an infograph kink, but you know what, <laughs> GRC people, uh, CISOs, 
You know what I need? I need easy to digest visual communication. So this is what's cracking on this one. Also want to say shout out, hilarious. We are currently at 307 people. So want to say shout out and thanks to everybody on stream right now. Literally bad lighting. My audio's jacked up. I'm in a brand new studio that hasn't fully got set up and we are hitting record numbers. So uh, much, much appreciated that it's about the content, not about the, <laughs> not about the setup. University of Manchester hit with cyber attack. One of the UK's largest educational institutions confirmed the attack and suspects attackers stole data in the incident, including data on students. It first discovered the breach on June 6th and notified the Information Commissioner's Office as well as the National Cybersecurity Center. It did not disclose what specific types of data was potentially exfiltrated, how the attack was performed, or any possible organization behind the attack. University officials did not find any evidence of financial information lost in the attack. Bleeping computer sources say a ransomware group was behind the incident. Of course there was. Okay, so here's a fun fact. It doesn't matter if you're in the United States, if you're in England, if you're in Nigeria. Higher ed anywhere has terrible budget for IT and little to no budget for InfoSec. On top of that, higher ed, meaning um, colleges, universities, those type of things, um, they typically are all about like knowledge share and kumbaya and research and let's collaborate, right? So, so higher ed is all about that. So you're actually in this perfect cauldron of low resources in order to properly secure, coupled with a user base that wants to share everything, right? So it, it would be super easy to convince some researcher or some student at a higher ed institution to download and run something, right? In the United States, at least, it's like a joke that college students are starving, right? Like if you like go to, I mean, I was in college. I was, you know, dirt poor and stuff like that. So, you know, if you offer someone like a free, dude, I signed up for a credit card to get like a t-shirt, okay? Like people in college, if, I, if I'm any uh, em, uh, emblem of that, are, are not making great decisions. So it's super easy to convince someone to download, install, run. Hey, you know, for, here's, 20, here's a $25 gift card to Panera. Just run this program and you'll get your $25 gift card. Hey, like I'd love to give you a grant from the National Science Foundation for $300,000 to research your, uh, to fund your research into, you know, cheese pie. And, 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 and mice in, you know, with autism or something like that, like whatever it is, when you tell a researcher that you're going to fund their research, they will click on anything. Give me that money, right? Straight cash, homie. So I, I'm not surprised, guys. I'm not surprised. Anyways, this sucks, right? University of Manchester, double exfilled. They got ransomware and they got data exfilled on students, which is no good. They're going to have to pay for recovery. They're going to have to pay um, possibly to get the data back. They're going to have to pay to notify people. It is in um, Europe, by the way, which is under GDPR. You'll have to correct me. I don't know with Brexit and all that other stuff, if the UK, you, you British people, um, I know we've got some UK folks on here. Maybe you can answer for me, but it gets really confusing with UK versus Great Britain versus England versus Brexit, you know, with context of GDPR, but GDPR is basically a European Union privacy rule, which has like the sharpest teeth. Like, you know, those, those horror movies where like the, 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 the orcs are like chiseling their teeth to be like little like fangs, like shark looking teeth. 
that's what GDPR is. GDPR was like documentation, and then like the legislators got like a file out and like put wicked teeth in it. Go ask Meta. Go ask Amazon. <laughs> go ask Microsoft. Just the other day, dude. Hundreds of millions of dollars of fines. Like we joke on the channel that like Ireland's biggest import is GDPR fines. Fr France is in second. So, anyways, higher ed. Uh, good luck to you. Blue Sky faces its first moderation challenge. Blue Sky spun out of a Twitter effort to create a decentralized version of its microblogging platform. After being formed, CEO Jack Dorsey fully spun out the group into an independent entity, open to about 50,000 early access users as of the end of April. However, the site faces its first major moderation challenge, even as it plans to begin testing Federation with other servers soon. The incident started when a user suggested another user get shoved off somewhere real high. This was reported as violating Blue Sky's policy against extreme violence. Blue Sky CEO Jay Grabber announced changes to its platform policies that would temporarily suspend accounts that threaten violence of physical harm in any physical or metaphorical sense, with repeat offenders banned from a particular server. However, Grabber also said that once the service federates, users could then transfer an account to another server. This also comes as Blue Sky rolled out support for custom algorithms to recommend content on its service. Just a okay, so. Uh, I'd love to see it in chat. Is anyone a Blue Sky user currently in chat? And if you are a Blue Sky user, what's your what's your initial thoughts? Um, for those who don't know it, Blue Sky is basically Jack Dorsey, who the guy the guy who created Twitter, who got pushed out. Um, he's creating Blue Sky, which is basically going to be a direct competitor to Twitter, and um, it's got a lot of traction. And right now it's invite only. And if you know, it's the way that Clubhouse, do you guys remember when Clubhouse first came out? And it was like, ooh, like you're on Clubhouse, like, ooh, it's all the rage. And uh, in reality, um, as soon as everybody, <laughs> as soon as everybody got access to Clubhouse, the platform collapsed because nobody wanted to be on Clubhouse at that point. So uh, for this one right here, this has been the, um, to me, this is the, biggest challenge, or this is a top five challenge of these social media platforms, is dealing with hate speech, dealing with um, inappropriate behavior, dealing with toxicity, whatever you want to call it. And a death threat um, is a death threat, right? And, you know, it, 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 the story here is, is featuring it as a um, racist, bigot um, type commentary. Um, which, which you see a lot of that. There's definitely a lot of hate speech out there. For some reason, there's like a surge in it right now, which I'm confused about. But, my, but anyways, um, we'll see what Blue Sky does. Blue Sky has an amazing opportunity here to try to be transparent, try to drive, um, you know, uh, good change, maybe learn from the, the lessons learned from Twitter. But I do want to point out... Um, all the paperwork came out of Twitter around how like there was like an executive council that would decide who to suppress and who not to suppress um, for speech, who, who to amplify, who to deplatform, right? So even if you try to come up with this like transparent Reddit type thing, um, people in power are going to flex with their power and, you know, do what's in the best interest of themselves, right? Uh, so just be aware of that. And hopefully, you know, hopefully Blue Sky is good. Here's my thing. I think Blue Sky is trying to adopt the Mastodon approach with uh, individual servers versus one single platform. So kind of think of it as like Twitter and Reddit kind of merged together. Um, and that could work. 
Mastodon had a huge opportunity, at least in the InfoSec community, to really take traction and grab hold, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it. The people behind Mastodon don't want money and they want it to remain, you know, kind of righteous the way it is, which is cool, but without that financial capital and resource to go into it, which would come with its own, um, you know, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, hooks and barbs that you'd have to be careful of. Um, they're unable to grow Mastodon and make it better and hire, you know, 50 UX engineers to make it a better experience. Like I've tried Mastodon, I'm on there, but I find it a little difficult to use. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the stream. We're right at 9 a.m. Apologies to Base Case and um, NCC Group. Um, one day they they will be a sponsor. <laughs> Um, I want to thank you all for being here. I'm going to do, do, do. If you were here just for the news and the shenanigans,